What's up, everybody? Welcome to Love Music More. I am joined with longtime collaborator, longtime friend, Riley Knapp, a great guy across from drumming to songwriting to mastering engineering, of which he does all of my masters, uh, to the good ones, not the old ones. Those ones are not very good, so don't, don't put that evil on his name. To uh, even starting his own business. Uh, with some other friends of ours that I'm super, super hyped on that is using AI, I think, in the right way. I've talked about that a lot on the podcast, too. So I'm excited to dig in all, all, all of that. What's up, Riley? Welcome to How the you show. doing? Good, dude. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. I'm, I'm really excited to dig into this because we talk all the time, but we don't get to necessarily like talk talk it's like more high level like hey this this master sounds good or this one's a little hot or like what's good with your life now let's uh we can deep dive it absolutely yeah let's get into it man awesome so i want to start with what i kind of ask every guest is what got you into music what hooked you what was the what was the kind of inception point of the whole thing well i guess not to be cliche but uh, yeah. i come from a very musical family mm-hmm. uh, my dad his whole side is extremely musical and my mom's side are lovers of music. So it was one of those things where it was natural for me. Uh, I was kind of forced into piano lessons at a very young age uh, and immediately started to understand, oh, there's something to this that I really enjoy, Uh, which then kind of transitioned into me negotiating with my parents. Well, if I quit piano lessons and I take up another instrument, can that be, uh, is that okay? And that led me into my love for drumming. And the second I touched the drum set, it was game over for me. Uh, I had this innate connection to it. I realized there's a there's an emotional connection to music that is a lot deeper than just listening to it. Uh, and once you kind of dig in and understand the roots of how music is made, the feelings behind that music, uh, it can really impact how you listen to music and how, how music affects you on a day-to-day. And really not just music, but sound. Uh, I Ooh, think cool. I've always had yeah. a fascination with sound. And how sound can affect everyone, people, objects, uh, you know, having sort of innate vibrations within us, you know, to get metaphysical. But uh, the idea of sound was always fascinating to me as well. So I think kind of, uh, you know, drums was the the most visceral way to make those sounds and obviously a very uh, upfront in your face sort of sound, uh, which I really enjoyed. And uh, my love for drums kind of led me into discovering other instruments and saying, wait, this is all interconnected. Once you learn one thing, the others kind of begin to fall in place. And if you have that curiosity, you can really delve deep and, and figure out, you know, <clears throat> what specifically your, your purpose, your skill set is, and, and how that can lend itself to the creative world and how, how music can then kind of become, you know, part of you in a way that is uniquely you, which I think is the coolest thing about music. Totally. I love that. And I also think that there's an interesting, I don't know, I know a lot of audio engineers or mastering engineers that are drummers. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like if you don't blow out your hearing, you've got this like full frequency spectrum instrument that other instrumentalists might not have, where it's like you, you're attuned to everything from the highest highs to the lowest lows. And I, I feel like, yeah, that's, there's a through line. There's something I, I'm reading there. There's something there, man. There's something there. Yeah, if you don't blow out your ears. Yeah, exactly. I tell everybody... Always wear your earplugs. You know, young people that I meet, I'm like, wear your earplugs. You're not going to look dumb or whatever you think it is. Please do it. You know, it really does, you know, keeps you sane. And aside from hearing loss, tinnitus is my biggest nightmare. So number one thing. But yeah, I think drums, drums is like you mentioned, the full spectrum, uh, full spectrum instrument. I also think that with drums, there is a, uh, a need for listening 
to other mm. instruments, yeah, maybe yeah, in yeah. a different way. And, you know, understanding your role as a drummer, I think some of the best drummers understand their role uh, and strictly adhere to that, you know, like the Josh Freezes of the world or mm -hmm. whoever it may be. But uh, just having that innate ability to listen deeply to other people and what's happening while maintaining your steady rhythm and sticking on your track, you know, your train is going, but you're looking around and making sure everyone is happy and, and everyone yeah. is kind of on the same page. So there is definitely something there, you know. A lot of drummers are producers, audio engineers, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it's changing a lot more now and it's a lot more open-ended, but it's always kind of been a thing. I agree. I agree. And it, yeah, it's like you're, you're the quarterback, you're the heartbeat, you're so many things. And I also, I also really appreciate the energy that you brought as a drummer and just as a person of like, yeah, checking in on everybody, making sure everybody's still on the train. Cause there are some drummers that are just like, Hey, you keep up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure, man. Oh, for sure. <laughs> those are fun. Those are fun to watch for sure. They but, are. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But my skill set was always like you said, being the quarterback. And that's funny yeah. that you say that. When I was in high school, mm -hmm. there was like a, uh, a super group that was developed by a bunch of older alumni. And then cool. they wanted one uh, current student in high school to play with this band for this big auction that they hosted every year. Cool. Uh, so they came to me, you know, I'd actually just gotten off of Warp Tour and it was kind of like one of these weird situations where I was having like a, a moment as a high schooler and a mm -hmm. young player. Um, and I remember right before our first show, I was so nervous because these guys were pros. I mean, you yeah. know, multi-platinum selling people, you know, all the credentials in the world, total pros. And then the singer comes up to me and he's just like, you're our quarterback. Yes. We're going to defend you. He's like, whatever happens, we're all in this together and we're following you. So don't worry about mistakes. Don't worry about coming off the wrong way. We are all here with you and for you. And I was yeah. like, Hell okay, yeah. okay. And it really did. It changed my life. And, and ever since then, I thought of it exactly like that, you know, and, and not that I'm as a drummer, the leader, but it's more so just the person responsible for others. And, and at mm -hmm. least in my mind, it was always that responsibility. And it's great when everyone has that responsibility. But just for me, I think one of the biggest drivers and <clears throat> maybe this is something to dig into, but yeah, yeah. Uh, my big one of my biggest drivers is not letting people down, you know? Yeah. Right. And Right. And on stage, I want to just make sure everyone's happy, the audience, my band, whoever it is, uh, because I know that I'll be doing my part, but just making sure that it all blends together, you know? I like that. And I, that is an interesting thing to unpack too, because I think that that perspective is actually a less exhaustible form of motivation, where mm -hmm. it's like trying to keep the team going, not letting other people down, rising to the moment and pushing each other, where if you're just focused on yourself that 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 well runs dry like it's easy Absolutely. to be like i'm only i'm doing this for me it's like it's the same thing that I, I feel like with um with like working out if i think of it as i'm trying to get sexy it's like that doesn't work because mm -hmm. i don't actually really care that much it's so selfish it just doesn't really work but if it's like i'm trying to climb a mountain it's like okay like i'm scared of that I'm doing that with friends. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to be the guy that's going to make us turn back. So I'm going to show up and do my sprints or whatever. You know, it's like the, the framing of those things are totally different for me. Yeah, the mentality is super important. Uh, yeah. And, you know, along the lines of working out, I also think there's a lot of parallels with sports and music. And people, totally. and people don't speak about that. You know, I, yeah. I think, honestly, some of the best experiences I've had in bands or even collaborative settings are with people who at least did team sports 
cool. as a yeah. kid, you know, whether yeah. or not they were into it or good at it, uh-huh. just having that discipline and that uh-huh. understanding of this is for the greater whole. This is not just for me. This is yeah. not about me. Uh, it's a crucial thing, you know, and I think that there is, that's kind of something that a lot of people don't speak about. And uh, especially mm-hmm. in music school, it can be very segmented in my opinion, and it can be very clicky in a lot of ways. And they yep. don't really advertise you know, the team aspect of it. I thought USC mm-hmm. actually did a very good job of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, making sure that people came together, making sure that it was, everyone is working towards the same goal, the same vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the most important part, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to see people in harmony on stage. You don't want to yeah. see five people doing their own thing. You know, those <laughs> bands exist and, and we know yeah. who they are. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, it's, and it's great to go for, you know, your specific niche, you know, only yeah. watching the drummer, only watching the keys player, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you see, five people or however many absolutely in unison in harmony having an amazing time with each other that's yeah. the most magical experience and in any aspect of the human existence really i agree i agree and it's it's that uh yeah from from like one from two many it's not it's a synergy it's that it's that one plus one equals three kind of thing that yeah you, you can't get to if you're just trying to shred um just trying to show off. Like I, I've, I, I think about that a lot too, like how much time I spent just trying to get fast at my instrument and technical. <laughs> and then like, no one cares. Like nobody yeah. cares anymore. It's just, I don't ever do that. Um, I think that there's like a reason to practice those things other than just doing those things. But at the same time, it's like, they care about, are you having fun? Is it coming across? Is it interesting? Like, I think that there's, there's, like, a, there's like a different hierarchy than a lot of young players approach learning an instrument versus what people actually want and listen to. Certainly. Yeah. Now the, now that the uh, barrier to entry is yeah, yeah, so, so low in so many ways too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it really kind of purifies creation in my mind. Interesting. You know, okay. Let's dig into that. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that there are so many people with amazing ideas, mm-hmm. fantastic taste, great instincts that may not have the discipline, the time, didn't have the luxury as a kid to learn instruments, you know, like maybe you or I did. Uh, and with these new tools that are coming out and have been out and that lower barrier to entry, they're allowed to express themselves in this mm-hmm. musical and creative way mm-hmm. in a much simpler way to where they can simply adhere their tastes to something specific in the sonic realm or, or maybe, you know, whatever, whatever realm it is in the creative world. But it's a lot easier for them to do that. And it's, an extremely pure and creative and admirable thing to see. You know, I think yeah. it's like the coolest thing in the world when someone sends me this thing and they're like, I don't, I've never made music before, but I used X and Y software. I put cool. together this three minute mashup, whatever it is. And I listen to it and I'm like, there are unbelievably beautiful moments in here. You know, yes. there yes. might be wrong things. There might be uh-huh. some, some things that are, you know, maybe not, you would, you would, maybe fail at music school or, you know, uh-huh. not actually hit the music theory notes or whatever it may be, yeah. but it's beautiful and it's so cool. And I think that's unbelievable. And that's my favorite part about this. And I think that's why, you know, the, the shredders or the, mm-hmm. the player players who are, you know, more out there to just kind of fulfill their own needs. It doesn't really matter. And of course there's niches for it. And I love yeah, watching yeah. all those videos. Totally, totally same. Um, <laughs> but it's all acceptable now. You know, mm-hmm. as to where back mm-hmm. in the day, it was kind of a very streamlined path. And if you were if you were somewhere off the beaten path, you know, you were kind of a weirdo or mm-hmm. or you weren't totally socially accepted and maybe sh- even shunned. You know, a lot of those a lot of those people didn't really enjoy the fact that people 
who didn't play music could make music. Mm-hmm. And that is changing every day. Yeah. And the, the definition of the artist is is evolving a lot. And I actually think that that's a really cool perspective from drummer to songwriter, producer, and mastering engineer that you've had on kind of like the artist journey and then these different perspectives that you had. So let's, let's before we jump into mastering, um, I'd mm-hmm. love to talk about um, kind of when you started songwriting, when you started producing and kind of how that evolved for you. Certainly. Yeah. So uh, it pretty much went drums into playing in the bands. Yeah. Uh, finding that I love every instrument and finding all of the similarities between those and kind of cool. understanding, oh, I can actually do some of these other things. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. shortly after I started playing drums, I started learning other instruments just on my own. I reapproached piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started picking up the guitar and noodling with it. My dad's a phenomenal musician as well. So I would kind of watch him and, and just glean information from that. Um, and it kind of got to the point where I fell in love with every single instrument and had this unquenchable desire to learn as much as I could, understanding my skill sets and where my priorities were. You mm-hmm. know, I couldn't yeah, practice yeah, totally. everything equally, you know, so I kept no. drums as my main love, but yeah. I realized that how much beauty there was in everything else. And being in bands, uh, I would always kind of be in the studio and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hear things and realize things and have these epiphanies that I then later in life was able to kind of say, hey, actually, could I try that out? Could I try this guitar yeah. part out? Could yes. I actually sit down on the keys and show you what, I, what I'm hearing here? Y- yes. uh, and after having success with that, you know, even just internally, great feedback from my, from my peers, mm-hmm. I found that not only did I love it, but I had a knack for it and that the collaborative aspect of music was my favorite part. It yes. wasn't necessarily you know, playing shows live or anything like that. It was collaboration in whatever form that was. So I really dove into that. And that's what started my love for songwriting. That's what started my love for production. You know, I, I've always mm-hmm. been someone who, who I feel like I have very, um, I have very tangible taste, meaning mm-hmm. I, I have a taste that a lot of people seem to agree with sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being vague here. But mm-hmm. I think it was, it was always something that led me to, to want to explore that more and to yeah. give my input and, and just simply hold my hand up in a room where maybe before I was a little nervous or I wasn't totally confident in my abilities. And I realized, listen, you don't have to be the best player. You don't have to be the fastest player. Nope. Everyone's idea is valuable and everyone's idea should be heard. So that, uh, that really kind of started expanding my brain. And from there, I got deep into songwriting and production. Uh, I would say songwriting first. I, I always had just I always had ideas floating around my head uh, and I always had different ways of coming up with those ideas, you know, whether it was guitar, uh, piano, lyrics, melodies first, whatever it was. So I'd always kind of been noodling around with that. I'd write songs with, uh, with my old bands and collaborate with those, with those peers and, and learn from them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. not until I got to USC that I actually really started getting into production. Yeah. Um, I met my roommate, Carrie Singer, who was a, who's a phenomenal yeah. musician and just a, a really genius of a person. And he told yep. me, you know, you should download logic. You should download yes. logic and start putting these ideas down. Yes. And I had never really thought about that before. You know, for some reason there was a mental block and, and I said, right. ah, I'm never going to be the guy behind the board. I'm never going to be the dude doing this stuff. Yep. And he kind of told me, no, do it. Start playing around, you know, start messing around with all your MIDI keyboard and, you know, put ideas down, see what happens. And <clears throat> that kind of changed my life, man. Yeah. I would stay up and I would stay up in uh, in the USC dorms literally all night, like until five or six a.m. Just making beats, finding things that I had liked, finding cool new sounds, finding ways to 
kind of uh, to make things that are creative, but also mm-hmm. haven't that I hadn't heard before. Yes. And that was yeah. my goal. You know, totally. I was like, because after a certain point, you have the wherewithal to say, oh, this sounds familiar. I uh-huh. might be pulling influence from this or that. Uh-huh. And once you have that wherewithal, in my opinion, it's a really healthy thing to say, okay, now I pivot. You know, yeah, now I completely right. go in, a, in another direction yeah. and let's, let's acknowledge this, but let's see where I can take it. That's mm-hmm. going to feel almost improvised or unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really, having those epiphanies is what absolutely changed my life when it came to production, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was like, it was a lot like a puzzle and it was a lot yes. like a, an yeah. ever evolving puzzle that was up to me. And it was yes. a, almost like a choose your own adventure puzzle. You know what I mean? And every sure. song, every creative piece was a choose your own adventure, adventure thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started really just making all different kinds of music, mm-hmm. uh, different beats, different sounds. Uh, and then after, you know, after a while, I started to be able to put on melodies and lyrics to those things. And yeah. I started to really yeah. approach the production and songwriting as one. And mm-hmm. I started to realize, okay, you know, now that I'm kind of, diligently working on this production thing and I have been working on the songwriting thing, they start to blend together and mm-hmm. everything becomes a lot more natural um, in a simultaneous fashion, which I never really thought of before, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. I was always kind of in bands doing old school recordings, you know. Yeah, you're having, in your lane like you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, like the songs would be done and we would yeah. write them then we'd jam them, then we'd get into the studio and record them. And, mm-hmm. and the idea of sitting down and making a beat and simultaneously coming up and singing vocal melodies over it, you know, placeholder, whatever it was, yeah. had never occurred to me. So that was just an absolute game changer for me. And that's, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to a lot of my uh, early college peers for that and pushing me in that direction and inspiring me in that world, because I honestly don't think I would have ever put those pieces together on my own. Me either. Me either. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, I, I, maybe some people listen to my music would have heard the thing that I did with Carrie, um, and Robel, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you and Carrie were super, super influential on my outlook on production because yeah, it was the same thing. It was very like old school leaning to start. Like you hire musicians, you let the musicians do their thing and that's the record. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you guys were super inspirational to me, like to look at it the same way. And then also like, when you when you start to conceptualize music, songwriting, production, recording, all of that as one thing, then you can grow it as one thing, and then you get better at it as one thing. When you're like just doing these little individual parts, it doesn't it doesn't end up locking together in the way that now you can make a lot of music that's interesting pretty quickly because you've grown it all together as a unit and you've thought of it as that unit. I don't without that epiphany that you guys shared with me as well. Um, I don't know if I, if I'd be making the music that I'm making, I doubt it. Yeah, no, that's the best way to put that. You have to grow it all at once. You know, back to the, uh, the exercise analogy. If you just work on your legs Uh all day long, you know, you're Uh going to be a little off balance. If you just work on your arms, et cetera. So finding a way to grow it as a whole and realizing that this is all one thing. These are not separate things. Mixing, production, songwriting, mastering even. You know, sound design, sound replacement, sound yeah. choice. Yeah. There are so many different things that come into play. And I think it's the coolest part of music is being able to say, okay, no, I am not a mixer. I am not a, you know, mm-hmm. whatever technical word you want to use, but I accomplish what I accomplish 
which most people would say is mixed or fully produced. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even though I don't call myself that, you know? It's the coolest thing in the world. It is super cool. And it's funny too, because it isn't, there is not like a clear threshold that you, once you cross, you have now leveled up enough that you can call yourself a mixer or whatever. It's just like cultural acceptance or personal acceptance that now you're there. I mean, I could, I think that a good chunk of the reason why my music is doing better is because I've gotten better at mixing, but I've only gotten better at mixing because like I've done it more and then I work with you. So you give me like another set of perspective and then I work with collaborators and they give me a new set of perspective. And then over time it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm this now. Yep. Your, your journey in particular has been one of my favorites to watch. Cool, man. I mean, no, honest to God, it's so cool to see, everything that you've done. I mean, you know, obviously in college, we were both kind of instrumentalists and Uh in that lane. And then you've blossomed into this unbelievable, multi-talented entity that is crazy to see. And, and I've obviously been working with you for, for quite a while now. Before, before this, before (laughs) before this, this? working together that long. Exactly. exactly (laughs) This long. No, but, but really just to see you and, and to see how incredible you've gotten not only, oh, you know, in the technical skills with production and mixing and songwriting, but finding your lane and thank sticking you. within that and creating a sound is so admirable. And that's the hardest part, right? Everyone can everyone can come up and have their abilities shine through and it's clear, okay, this person can mix. This person is a good producer, but that cohesiveness and that that sound and that feeling that is consistent is the hardest thing. Consistency is the hardest thing. Yeah. And I mean, back, you know, when Casey and I started RKCB, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, my main musical project for totally. years and years and years, that was the biggest thing we struggled with because we had mm-hmm. both basically met in a, uh, in a master class at USC yeah. with, uh, with young guru and Chris Sampson. <laughs> and yes. we were, we could not have been more opposite in, mm-hmm. in our skill sets, our tastes and everything. And, mm-hmm. and we kind of came together and started making this music that had this sound and that was cohesive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and we didn't know where it was coming from yeah. so when you don't know where it's coming from how do you recreate it yeah uh, and at the beginning stages i just distinctly remember sitting there and being like how did we do you know we finish a song mm-hmm. we bounce it out final final 19 whatever it was yeah, 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 yeah. and uh and i was like how are we gonna ever follow this up uh-huh. and that was actually kind of an early stressor yeah you know, that was something right. that really stressed me out early on because I, I just didn't know where it was coming from it's the mm-hmm. classic pulling mm-hmm. things from the ether and, mm-hmm. and creating something and saying, this wasn't really fully me, you know, this yeah, was, yeah. this is a higher power coming in. So, yeah. you know, then you, then you get into, well, I drank gin that day. Yes, I, exactly. I slept for nine hours the night before. <laughs> so you try to start replicating the process mm-hmm. uh, and finding that consistency. And uh, I just think it's such a cool thing. And I think that you are the ultimate example of that. I think I'm, I'm biased because I get to, I've been able to watch your journey and see how that's grown. And you've listened intently. Like you've had, you've been forced to. Right, (laughs) right. Yes. Everything. Oh, I know. Man, I feel like I know your music. (laughs) You too. So well. I've heard all sorts of my nonsense side project things. And like, you've, you've got, you probably have as good of a representation of the stuff that I make as I do. As anybody else. I, if, if you ever like needed a drummer last minute, I guarantee yes. you I could hop in and play your songs. I you know what it. I mean? Like, I believe it. Yes. I know. I know your sound. I know your music. I know your instincts now. And cool. Cool. And it's just, it's cool to watch, you know, because at the end of the day, that is art and that yeah. consistency is yeah. what makes you an artist. That being said, you know, you can, 
deliberately veer off path and yeah, and try sure. new things and all of that. But it's kind of hard to escape your own artistry. You know, it's it's Dude, hard to cover up your soul. That's a that's a thing that I I've actually been struggling with because I've been trying to do like commercial music, right? Like mm. make some money with like I'm going to score an Apple commercial or, or whatever. As my internal like artistic voice and instinct and whatever has grown, I've gotten worse at that. Like to composing debris or whatever. I am pretty bad at it now where it's like <laughs> i thought i was getting better at music is like you're getting more specific and that actually mm. makes you worse at some of these other jobs just curious like what do you i don't know, do you have a take on that i have never actually expressed this opinion but it's kind of a light bulb moment for me i relate to that yeah. so intensely yeah I, I can't even tell you the <laughs> amount of times that i've tried to write briefs i've tried to uh-huh. you know I've, I've, I've gone out for things for specific sync spots mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it comes back sounding like one of my tracks that totally. I could release for one of my projects. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, crap. But, <laughs> but there's something there's something beautiful there. And yeah, I think is. that, you know, I think that that actually has a lot more longevity. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. and yeah. sticking to that, at the end of the day, when people come to you for those things, mm-hmm. they come to you because they've probably heard something that you've done that they mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they enjoy your sound. They enjoy what your soul creates. You know, maybe... Maybe you put a different hat on it and maybe you kind of <laughs> yeah. dress it up differently. But at the end of the day, it's going to be unavoidable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe there's not a lot of immediate payoff if you need mm-hmm. to, you know, write a mm-hmm. Samsung commercial, hit these spots and yeah. and it's not fully your thing. You know, like I could never do those hype tracks, those RB sound, but you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that, They're as, so as hard. hard. As I, so difficult. <laughs> and as hard as I tried and as much as yeah. I knew specifically what I needed to do, I mean, down to a T. I was like, I've got all these. I've got the same sounds, the same samples. Right. Yep. I, I know. I, I could break each song down note for note. I know mm-hmm. exactly what's happening, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't my soul, and mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was kind of soul sucking after a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I tried to do it, man, for probably two and a half years, and mm-hmm. I didn't land one thing, one thing that I that I tried to go Gosh, out and get. That's um, so painful. <clears throat> it was painful, but I also yeah. just realized, you know. I'm just going to keep doing me. And yes, I kind of turned exactly. that energy into, okay, well, I've got this project, this RKCB thing. That's yep. my bread and butter and my baby. Why don't I start collaborating with other people and mm-hmm. releasing music myself mm-hmm. under side projects and, mm-hmm. and, and just start releasing all of this stuff that I'm creating that I want to be heard that I think is cool, that I think would work for all these different things, but don't really have a plan for it and just kind of start creating that. And once I started doing that, I started landing all these random sinks. Yes. Uh, and it yes. turned into the most unbelievably rewarding feeling where I said, no, I'm going to do me and I'm going to stick with my gut. Mm-hmm. And maybe it took years longer. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. I just had a song uh, synced in the Apple um, Vision Pro oh, cool. commercial. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That was a, a side project that, that me and Amon, uh, one of our cool. old college friends, yeah. That we did five and a half years ago. And the project had under a thousand monthly listeners. It was a total nothing burger, right? And somehow they found this song and they wanted this song. And it was, you know, it was a huge spot, a huge opportunity. Yes. Out of nowhere. And it was honestly, it was so rewarding. If they didn't pay me, I wouldn't have cared, honestly. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so cool Mm -hmm. that it was, that they chose to use this indie artist song. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was so cool that, this thing that I was so passionate about, that we were so passionate about, we decided to follow through with it, yeah. despite all of the weirdness and 
Yeah. And, you know, oh, is this the right thing to do? Oh, should I even have side projects? Will that mm-hmm. kind of blur, you know, mm-hmm. blur where my head is at and, and make people question, okay, what are his intentions? And has he really focused, you know, mm-hmm. all those weird thoughts that get in your yep. head. Yep. And it was such an amazing feeling of saying, no, did the right thing, followed through, played the long game, mm-hmm. wasn't trying to adhere to anyone's specific thoughts or opinions or, or just trying to, you know, make what I thought other people would like. I was making what I liked. And that's the most cliche thing in the world, but that is the secret and the key. And you released it and you released it. And we released it and we released it. Absolutely. A lot of people make what they like and then they just sit on it forever. The amount of, the amount of stuff that I've worked on that has not seen the light of day bums me out so hard. I mean, I'm not talking about created. I'm talking about mixed and mastered, you you. know, like I've, I've mastered albums where I reach out Mm. to the artist and I'm like, this is unbelievable. You should be so proud of this, you know, yeah. as your first project, as your second project, I'm blown away. You know, mm-hmm. people deserve to hear this mm-hmm. three years later, nothing. And the mm-hmm. amount of times that I've actually reached back out to those artists and I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey, I just wanted to check in here. I still love this. I think about this often, mm-hmm. you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times there's kind of like, I wasn't confident. It didn't feel yeah. right. The time has passed. Yeah. And it bums me out. I'm like, I, yeah. I'm like, I want to leak this. <laughs> I, I know, want to leak this right. so bad. Exactly. You know? Exactly. People deserve to hear it. Yeah, I believe that. It's funny too because there, there, all there are all of these like conflicting internal monologue stuff that plays into that. I think. Um, I think first among them is looking for the ideal release partner. Mm -hmm. like kind of the cavalry like the cavalry will come any day now and then they will swoop in and make my release huge so i'll wait for the cavalry and not release it until they come Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely absolutely and i think a lot of that can come from outside pressures you know once you start getting management sure absolutely seeing it's all comes down to seeing what other people have done that made them successful and then trying to replicate it which Sure, there is credence too, and, and that does make sense for some situations. And there's mm-hmm. always something to, to be learned from mm-hmm. people. Yeah. But it can really kind of, uh, it can really muddy the waters of your soul, you know, hmm. and it can really yeah. change the way that you approach how you think about your art. And that can be a, a very slippery slope. You know, I've experienced that for sure, where other people's opinions come in. You know, mm-hmm. you sign a record deal, you sign mm-hmm. a publishing deal, yes. and all of a sudden, this thing that was free and exciting and up to you doesn't feel so free, exciting, and up to you anymore. And yeah. and you do have to wait for those perfect times, or you know, give Spotify, you know, four to six weeks for us to get our job done, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And it's mm-hmm. like, but this is a St. Patty's Day song, and it's on Friday, so should yeah, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, exactly, what are we doing here? It's like the point of my creation was for this specific moment in time, this mm-hmm. specific feeling, mm-hmm. this is what should happen. I don't yes. care about these partners. And, yes. and at the end of the day, if it's going to, if it's going to do something, it's going to do something. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, uh, even in the day and age now of 120,000 songs a day being uploaded to Spotify, right. I think that <laughs> things will find homes mm-hmm. and people will find art that is meant to be found. I agree. Especially, I mean, just look at your, the example you just gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the yeah the consistency thing the the freedom thing and the finding the right moment for the right things are all super super good 
lessons to keep in mind. I like having these conversations too because they help reinforce stuff that you know I need to hear because I'm going into a next year's writing cycle now and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, but I love the idea of like you have a plan. You're going to release this song then, whatever. But you have a spark and you go, oh, I've got, I just wrote a St. Paddy's Day song. St. Paddy's Day is next week. Let's just move every other release over slightly and then drop that in the middle. And mm-hmm. if you have a label or management that's down with that, it's like you already have got a leg up on so many people because you're able to be creatively free, you're able to explore, and you're able to meet those moments when they come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, and it gives you confidence that, oh, look, I yeah. am doing the right thing. Oh, I yeah. can be spontaneous. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes the point of creating art is just, it could be just to release something, you know, totally. like it, it honestly, like it doesn't have to be to have it successful. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be because you think it's the best thing ever. Sometimes there are just these little moments that just need to be put out there in whatever capacity that is. Um, <clears throat> I wrote I wrote a song to my old cats uh, and it was this <laughs> joke song. I woke up one morning. I was I like had a session that day. Mm-hmm. I would always kind of sit around and, and kind of just warm myself up and start mm-hmm. creating ideas. And I was like to kind of come in, come in with ideas or at least just things in the back of my head that I could bring to the table. Yeah. And this one morning I just wrote this song to my cats and I was like, I love this. I was like, this, <laughs> yeah. feels, this feels incredible. You know, and I was like, it's this whole thing. And I ended up, you know, showing it to some friends and stuff. And, and people were like, dude, can you send me this? You know what I mean? And it, yeah. and it kind of got sent around and people would kind of send it around to people. And mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it felt so good. And I, mm-hmm. I would meet literally a, a friend would introduce me to a, a mutual and they'd be like, you're the guy who wrote Honeycomb. You know, I was like, dude. oh, my God. Oh my and God. it was never out there, never even on a yeah. SoundCloud thing, right? Yeah. Just MP3. Uh, so just feeling those urges. And yeah. again, to your point, releasing them in whatever capacity yeah. that is, yeah. Right. Yeah, that could just be, that could be sending it to a few friends as an MP3 on a voice exactly. message. Exactly. doesn't matter what it yep. is, right? You created, the point of that creation is just to get it out there, you mm-hmm. know? And sometimes the point of the creation is just to create, acknowledge, delete the whole session, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. sometimes you never totally. need to revisit it. Mm-hmm. And, but you'll know. And it's like, follow the, that instinct. I don't know, mm-hmm. like the, the person that ended up tweaking my head in that way was uh jai paul mm. oh yeah it was like oh yeah that, i thought that was, he, he was the perfect example i just saw him at coachella it's crazy oh oh my god it so awesome. cool it was so, so cool. cool after almost a decade of anonymity and yeah. secrecy behind this project man that was one of my early goals when i you know first got signed and everything i was yeah. like who is jai paul i yeah. was like you know <laughs> yeah, i worked with people totally. from the uk and i was yeah. like do you know this artist and if so <laughs> how do I get in touch? You know, it was like yeah. the biggest secret in the world, but yeah. that project was so cool. And the fact that it happened in a legitimate way, like mm-hmm. that was a leaked album, right? Mm-hmm. It was truly right. leaked in right. it. And it was so good and it came off so well that a lot of people said, there's no way this was, leaked. this is a yes. PR stunt to say exactly. it's leaked. And all that. You exactly. know, it was so good. And he's pro- he was fuming. He was so mad that it got leaked, you yes. know? Yeah. It's just the ultimate irony. And it's like, Sometimes things do need to see the light of the day yep. and you, the universe will tell you when it's time, even if that means it's leaked. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, for sure. It's going to happen. You can't avoid it. And don't try no to way. push against the, the major force of the universe. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it, like, think about that leak doesn't happen in the way that it changes your music, Carrie's music, my music. It's, it's it, like, 
that leak ends up, I feel like, ch- kind of creating a little bit of what the USC sound was that we were exploring 100%. and have continued to explore in our own genres and our own ways. But that was that was a spark that I think lit a lot of our fuses. Absolutely, absolutely. The influence that that art can create is yeah. it has no value. It is yeah. literally invaluable, and the impact that it has on even one person. I mean, it's the, mm-hmm. it's the butterfly effect. It yes. truly, truly is. And people don't realize that. I mean, now more than ever, that butterfly effect is in full effect. I mean, I can be scrolling through Instagram or something and hear like a random person, five seconds of their clip, and I'll scroll past it. And then two days later, I'll be like, what, what is this melody that I'm hearing? Yeah, what is this thing that's yeah. going on in my head? And I'm like, I think it was from that random guitar lick from that random person that I didn't even look at their name didn't follow them, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just these, these small moments of inspiration. So that can't happen unless it's in a public domain in whatever capacity that is. Mm-hmm. So people need to, you know, get less precious, you know, obviously mm-hmm. be diligent with, with your creativity and stick to your guns, mm-hmm. but be less precious because you might be holding on to something that would change someone's life that they, that then may change the whole music industry. You have right. no idea, you know? You literally don't. Truly, truly. Yeah. And you never know how these things spiral. You never know when these things pop off. It mm-hmm. could be five years. Like music, when it's out there, now it has that life and the chaos of the internet and the universe and stuff can can reward it and breathe more into it. Um, and yeah. even if it doesn't, I mean, like the, I was, oh, I I'm going to feel bad for forgetting his name, but I was reading about the history of hyperpop. Um mm-hmm which Carrie Singer is super into uh, and has turned turned me on to several years ago. And um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super into it now too. But um, I was reading about it and there's this one dude who I think he lived in, I don't really remember, but he, he basically, I think it was in Mexico. He wrote a bunch of like hand punch card player piano stuff that was absolutely impossible for anyone to ever play. And then a bunch of the music was just lost to time, never released. And then his son was like, you're not cool, dad. You've never done anything cool. And he's like, oh, really? I'm this <laughs> badass composer. I, I've got all this stuff in my garage. I'm going to release it. He ends up taking over this like weird classical world thing of just computer music, player piano music, classical music, all of this mismatch. And that ends up really, really inspiring a bunch of the people that end up making hyperpop music like in its in its history but it's like this mm-hmm. one dude if he wasn't challenged by his son to release his music to prove that he was a cool dad like almost <laughs> cuts off this this arm of electronic music from ever existing and and turning into this crazy phenomenon that it is today God, isn't that crazy i think it's, it's the so coolest cool. thing in the world i think it's I the coolest it. thing in the world yeah <clears throat> makes me so happy and you know now being more on the on the post production end of things, yeah, 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 it's cool to kind of be able to witness it That's and, cool and and be a part yes. of 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 these projects that honestly I could never create. You and know, you, you're a huge part of it, and you get to be a part of a ton of them, which I, th- I I'm yeah. a little jealous of. I feel like that's super cool that you're able to put your musical stamp and taste across a whole bunch of genres, across a huge volume of work. So let let's talk a little bit post production. Sure. Did you start it because no one else did? Was that was that how it started? Because I remember when you when you started being like, "Hey, yo, I'm mastering stuff now." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, nobody's mastering stuff." 
Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send it to Riley. Was that was that how it started, or was it a passion, or was it just because nobody else did it? You had to fill that void. Like, where where did it begin? Uh, it was a it was a scratch your own itch passion. Cool. So when cool. I was doing RKCB stuff, yeah. I had to you know we would make these demos. We we'd work yeah. five or six days a week, sometimes two a day sessions. So at the end of the week, we could have 12, 14 songs Dude, that amazing. were pretty chaotic. You know, yeah. pretty pretty messy. Yeah. Vocals needed comping, tuning, tracks needed mixing, some form of mastering to make these demos listenable and, and the environment yeah. where our publisher and our label were playing them. Yeah. So it was straight out of necessity. Um, <clears throat> but I always had this love for it. It wasn't like mm. this thing that I dreaded doing. Yeah. I would always spend like Sunday and sometimes on Saturday, like late into the night, just messing around with stuff because I had mm. such a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And and it was just this exciting time for me. It was this uh, this time of discovery. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily have the technical know-how, mm-hmm. and I wasn't ever specifically trained in mixing or mastering. Right, uh, totally. Even at USC, I never took a class. Um, yeah. I actually think maybe I took a Garver's mastering class, but cool. I think I, nice. I think I did terrible. And yeah, I think, right. <laughs> I think he was kind of like, "What are you doing? Why are you using the? Why are you processing things like this?" And I was like, yeah. "Listen to it. It sounds it sounds sick. sick." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh, he's like, what are you talking?" He's like, "It's pumping." I'm like, "That's the point. That's the what point. Are you it's supposed, supposed to pump. <laughs> it's supposed to pump." Um, but yeah, man, it totally. was it was it was necessity, and then turned turned into a huge passion. Yeah, and I realized, hey. I have a, I have a sound. I have, I have a way of doing this that I can replicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it works. People are mm-hmm. commenting on, on my own work of my mm-hmm. project and saying, Hey, this engineering, this mass, this mixing and mastering, this is good. Yeah. And so I knew I had that feedback and I wanted to test myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always like to challenge myself because obviously growth is everything and that's what yep. keeps you fresh and, and in it. So I would start reaching out to different peers at USC and I would be like, Hey, you know, I'll mix your album for literally nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll do it for 10 bucks a song and a bottle of wine, whatever (laughs) it was. Yeah. Uh, And it was, it was a stressful time of my Mm -hmm. life. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I I distinctly remember I was mixing two different people's albums Yeah. uh, and it was like finals time. And I was like, what am I doing right now? I was Uh like, this is a nightmare. Uh, Especially because I had such a passion for, the mixing and mastering part that I would just totally ignore the school part. And I was exactly, like, Oh no, exactly. I'm going to totally, I'm going to totally ruin myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, that, that's honestly how it happened. And yeah. you know, mixing, mixing is a lot more complex and a lot more yep. touchy. And, yep. and I learned that early on, I learned that, you know, there's a reason why Chris Lord Algae is known as the rock guy and why mm-hmm. he doesn't really touch R and B, you know, there, mm-hmm. there, totally. there are totally, reasons dude. why people have their specific sounds and stuff. The same reasons that, you know, when I was trying to write pitch songs that were dubstep or whatever, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't doing it well. You know, uh-huh. I just, it just wasn't that thing in mm-hmm. that it sounded like passable, but it wasn't, didn't mm-hmm. have the gut feeling. You said, this right. is a mask on something else, you know? Mm. Um, so I learned that early on and that was a, that was an important lesson to learn early on. And that made me realize that I want to learn as much as I can about all these different styles and try to be as much of a chameleon as possible. Uh, work on these different styles, work on different projects that are in different forms of production, uh, mm-hmm. different qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some things were nearly finished. Some things were completely raw. Yep. And learning, you know, learning the difference between overdoing it, underdoing it, and then doing mm-hmm. what's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was That's a huge it. thing. You know, I think, I think that was the most, the most important lessons I learned 
And the, the most valuable experiences I had were not those that were incredibly challenging and time consuming. Mm -hmm. They were the simplest ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like I'm saying so many cliche things here, but that's the truth. Yeah. You know, like I, I would work on, I would get sent a song to mix and I would throw all the stems in and I'd press play. And I was like, I don't know what I can do here. I was like, this is incredible. And, you know, kind of just getting in the mindset of, okay, well, what is, what is my gut saying? What would I want from this? Obviously this person is wanting something else Mm -hmm. uh, or wanting something slightly different Mm -hmm. and finding, and finding a way to put myself in their shoes and try Mm -hmm. to kind of just really be true to their art. And I think that coming from such a creative background and producing and writing so much, yeah. I, I had a I had a, a leg up on that, and I was yeah. able to kind of understand and respect that a lot more. Um, but I was humbled so many times. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there were times when oh, sure. when I when I did too little, and I'd uh-huh. send it back, and they were like, "Did you touch this?" And then there yeah. were times when I did yep. too much, and they were like, "Dude, you ruined my thing." And I was like, yep. "Okay, okay, totally okay, weird. okay." Totally. And it's just all getting inside the head, understanding what you think is right in your gut, and then applying that to what their artistry is. You know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's that's the coolest part about mixing for me. Mm-hmm. Aside from you know the, working on all these cool different projects and being able to meet cool new people who are genuinely doing cooler shit than I ever could, you know. Cool. Thank you. And I I like I like what you're saying too about like I I think I I think I'm I'm not a great chameleon mixing engineer. I think I, I'm like I'm more developing in the lane of my thing ish with you know there's a there's a there's a fan effect like i could go more dance i can go more hip-hop and go more funk but it's like kind of my thing um like i wouldn't i wouldn't be a good classical mixing engineer or um i don't know if i'd do latin too well really unless it was mm-hmm. like my my kind of like you know lo-fi um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i i think it's interesting that you you took such a cool approach so early on in your kind of mixing journey. And I remember that. I remember seeing like, damn, like this guy's just hustling. Like he's mixing another thing and being really inspired because I, I, I loved your pace. And, I, and you were one of the people in college that helped me like think of like the pace is only where you set your limiter at. Like you mm-hmm. can always do more if you're fully focused, always getting better and hungry for a new opportunity. And I saw that from you. And then I saw it a ton when you did the switch to mastering because then you were able to like crank quicker. Because how, how, I mean, mastering doesn't take nearly the time investment, does it? In terms of like a no. single track mixing versus mastering, yeah? No, and, and you know, a lot of that does come down to organization and session of course. prep. And- no, totally. It like I, I, fast does not mean it should be cheap or that it's devalued. It just means that right, you, can, right. you can get through more, yeah. Right. The process is, is totally different. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I envy mixers who have assistants that, you know, get mm, everything yeah, ready, too, man, even too. kind of get, get base <laughs> EQ right. and compression and stuff done. Yep. And then, you know, like I've met, I've met some, and, yeah. dude, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you're approaching it as a, as a 100% a creative. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, that would oh, be the best. Game be so Are you nice. Talking uh, with some of these mixers, yeah. I'm like, that's really how you work. I know. Like, and, and they're like, yeah, I mixed X song and literally 45 minutes and all the engineers are saying that's the truth and i'm like what are you talking about yes. like that's incredible you know yes. how fun how inspiring and it's a performance oh, at that point is. you know it really you is. get in there and it's a performance and you leave the room the performance is done yeah uh, it's so cool <clears throat> mastering cool. 
mastering is a different beast mm-hmm. and it was always so so I mean, you know, it's called the dark arts for a reason. People don't really <laughs> right. understand what it is and people don't really understand the secrets behind it. Yeah. And it used to be, there used to be a technical wall mm-hmm. uh, in front of it where you yeah. needed gear. Yeah. You needed like specific. Expensive gear. <laughs> expensive. You needed two lavery yeah. golds. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. you needed, you needed PMCs. You needed uh-huh. these things in order mm-hmm. to achieve those sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of that, a lot of that secret sauce mm-hmm. clipping uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. soft clip, all of that, no one ever talked about, yeah. you know, the fact that the tubes added different saturations and colors and you needed all these different things. Mm-hmm. No one talked about that. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I think not until maybe like five or six years ago did mastering engineers finally, and it was probably, you know, with the whole era of mixed with the masters and a yep. lot of these online tutorials, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but not until then did people start saying, okay, well now I got to start showing people what I'm doing. And Here's what we've all been doing, you know, like, yeah. uh, like I, I think big bass, Brian, who was an old school hip hop mastering engineer, uh, a lot of hip, uh, a lot of like 50 cent Eminem, stuff like that. He originally was the first person to say, I'm going to clip this through my converter. I'm going to, I know that if I pump these 808s, these songs with loud 808s and all this stuff into my limiters, it's going to start bouncing and pumping and doing all this weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to chop that shit off and I'm going to cool. saturate those things. Yeah. And then I'm going to be able to make this loud in the way that I want to make, make mm-hmm. it loud, you know, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. why he got the name Big Bass Brian because he would uh-huh. maintain that bass and he wouldn't suck it out with any limiters or anything. He barely yeah. used limiting, you know, yeah. limiting was just a, was a brick wall to prevent any digital clipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sort of learning those secrets completely yes. changed my life. Like once yes. I started to get into that and I realized, oh, not only are there no rules, Mm-hmm. But breaking the rules is the standard. Yeah. I was like, I'm I'm all in. I yeah. was like, I gotta I gotta know more about this. And uh-huh. I gotta know like all the different things and you know, which digital EQs sound good when you over overdrive them and, mm-hmm. and what things, you know, actually work and the different versions of like linear phase EQ and what the different what a spleen EQ is and just kind of all the cool technical stuff. I do not stuff. know. I do not know the difference of spleen EQ, but I don't know if I yeah. need to. <laughs> I got no, you. No, but 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 <laughs> But those were the things that I then started <laughs> yeah. to hyper focus on. Yeah, I would have sure. dreams. I would have dreams about clippers. Yes. Like that's I'm not awesome. kidding. That's you, dude. Awesome. I would have dreams and I was like, I was fascinated and I would go through and I would do these little tests and I'd clip yeah. things and I'd go look at the waveforms and I'm like, Ooh, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. You know? Cool. Just for, for no reason. You know, I think mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those hyper focused uh, mm-hmm. niches, but, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a totally different love uh and passion than mixing is Mm -hmm. and i think my favorite part about it is what you touched on is the fact that i can work on so many projects at once yeah Yeah. uh and and kind of be able to hear all these things and be a part of them Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day i love listening to music Mm -hmm. and mastering is pretty much listening to the finished track you know what i mean and then finishing it finish Mm -hmm. finishing it yeah and when i was mixing a lot i would really try to focus on maybe one or two projects at a time. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to back to that consistency thing and back to kind of pulling from the ether. I thought it was almost sacrilegious if I were to work on a lot of different projects at once, obviously being a a solo person, if I had engineers and assistants under me that could kind of do some stuff for me, it's a very different thing. But I was trying to be really, really um, cognizant of what the artists wanted for the particular projects and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, so I was pretty, I was, you know, 
pretty respectful to that process. And it was, it was good and bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was a great learning experience and I think I did good work, Mm -hmm. but it was a little bit, um, it was just draining. It, It was a lot more, it was a lot more mentally consuming, energetically consuming, uh, I would start to, you know, have specific songs on replay in my head. Mm-hmm. I would start to, you know, get all these mm-hmm. crazy things that that made me feel kind of crazy yeah. to where I was like, okay, I can't listen to music anymore. Yeah. You know, I would I would yeah. drive 45 I've, minutes I've with nothing there. on. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And and I started to Yeah, exactly. And I started to just kind of not enjoy that. I so Totally. No. So that's where I that's where I said, okay, well, mastering is the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I yeah. could I could master six different albums. And, you know, a few different singles. And then I could go into my car on that same 45 minute drive and I'd listen to those songs and do car tests. And I was like, hell yeah, you know, this is sweet. This is fun. You know, not only because it's less time consuming, Mm -hmm. but just because at the end of the day, you're just, you're presented with what someone loves and with what someone is happy with most Uh of the time. Right. And, and you're, all you're doing is making their smile bigger. Yeah, you know? I love that. It's the cool. It's the coolest exactly. thing in the world, and that's, that's where really I really cool. started to fall in love with mastering. I really love that, and you're. It's it's fun too because you're like, you're you're game to mix it up for the different projects and stuff like that. Like when I, like I've got I've got one for you. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit live so people can get in on, in on the yeah. yeah. Um, but like when when we moved from the Koan records to the Moonlight Beach record, like I was like, hey, this isn't quite hitting. And then you're like, oh, it's it's a new record. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna change some stuff up. And then you did. Yeah. And I was like, there it is. We're good. Yes. It was just yes. in the wrong box. And and I I love that. I don't I don't know of a lot of mastering engineers that are necessarily like on that tip of like, oh, I see what you're doing artistically differently here. Like your master bus is different. My master bus is gonna be different. We're gonna build that together. That's a really special and really really cool thing that I think is impactful for a mixing engineer, especially if you're a mixing engineer and the artist who like, I don't have anybody else. It's like, you're it. You're the, you're the, the, the back line, the, the foundation that, you know, if I, if I'm, (laughs) if, if I'm doing something dumb, it's like, I I need you to tell me (laughs) that's like, Hey, this is not working. (laughs) That's, that's such an honor. I I love that so much. And and I, I, it's the coolest thing. I mean, I, I really, that's my other favorite part is that people do trust me. Yeah. And back to that, you know, the first thing I talked about when being a drummer, not letting yes. people down, Yep. you know, totally, that man. drives me and that motivates me. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the example you just brought up, it's mm-hmm. just a simple mindset shift of, yes. Oh, wait, yes. he's, he's closed a chapter and he's opening a new chapter. I have mm-hmm. to do the same. I at least have yeah. to approach it with that mindset. It, even if at the end of the day, the right thing to do is the same thing I've been doing. Totally. Just approaching it with a different mindset. Mm-hmm. is how you grow and how you respect the artist. Because there are a lot of uh, engineers, mastering engineers, mixing engineers, who are very stubborn, you know, and oh, very yeah. stuck Big in their time. own ways. And they'll tell you, you know, no, that's not what we should be doing for this or something. And it's like, but wait, it's my music. What, yeah. what are you talking about? I do want it that loud. And I do yeah. want it this bright, you know, whatever yeah. it may be. Right. So at the end of the day, it's all about respecting the growth of an artist. And yeah. you're one of the few artists that I've gotten to grow with in cool. this capacity. Yeah, man. I mean, really. I mean, you, you're I probably, that. I've probably grown with you more than any other artist. It's been I, years and years it's of It's been years. I know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's inspiring and it's cool. And you have challenged me to keep growing cool. as well. I love it. Like it's, I it's not it. like I, I get another Scubert song and I say, Oh, you know, throw it in these settings. Every time I listen to it and I'm like, okay, I see it's, 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 it's improv, <laughs> cool. right? It's yes. Yeah. And. Yes, and I say, yes, and. Yeah. I get it. I understand mm-hmm. what this, what this project is, mm-hmm. but I understand these differences. Yeah. And it's also nice because you're, your mixing skills and, and your production skills are really, I mean, they're really kind of bolstering the whole project cool. and Thank they're you. really, Thank you're you. leveling up in ways that it's not even like uh, linear leveling up. It's like lateral movement, you know, <laughs> cool, man. like you were always kind of like hitting that, hitting that peak, mm-hmm. but now you're kind of over, you're just encompassing this gigantic portion of the sonic spectrum. And, Sweet. And Thank you. Yeah. And I love it so much. I'm so, so glad. Yeah. That's a great, great example of that. I'm so glad it's working. Okay. So uh, real quick, what's coming, what's coming next year. Um, mm-hmm. This is my crazy idea is uh, instead of doing one album cycle and then another album cycle, I'm thinking about doing them in tandem and then like releasing singles from each and then wow. both of the albums, like almost back to back, like two weeks apart. So that it's, it just kind of, I'm going to, I'm trying to figure out how to do this with the album art too. But like there is, obviously they'll be sonically linked because they'll be made, being made at the same time. But ha- finding the ways to differentiate them so that they really do feel like different records on every step of the process. Like I'm going to do different stuff on the signal chains, the, um, the samples that I use, the guitar tones, like I'm going to do slightly different things between the two. And um, I want to challenge you to try to do the same thing in tandem. So it's not oh, like that's... album A is done, album B is done. It's like album A and B are both chugging along on parallel tracks. Dude, I so I so love that. And I think you're one of the few artists who could do that and have have your audience enjoy it beyond belief. Cool. I think cool. you've done you've done such a good job of being so unique and creative and so yourself. You haven't confined any boundaries or stuck yourself in any sort of box to where that would absolutely work. And that is the dream to be able to do that, right? Sweet. Like yeah, yeah. When I was when I was making music, I would, you know, have an EP or album coming out and obviously would be working on the next one or on mm-hmm. music simultaneously in parallel. And the amount of times when I was like, well, can we just release this song too with that? Yeah, or right. How about totally. can we release these four songs like, with those four songs? Yes. yes. You know, they're clearly very different sounds. They're clearly mm-hmm. different projects mm-hmm. but i like them both equally and i want them yeah. both out now you know yeah, right. and and you know very rarely we were able to a few times do that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it ended up being more more collaborative like bringing mm-hmm. on another artist or exactly. a feature right. or something right. like that right yeah to kind of justify that difference in sound and that uh-huh. release schedule uh-huh. but man that's the best thing to do and now i don't think that shit matters at all i don't, I don't think, so think that there's I think no one's going to gatekeep that. Yeah. 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 Like how cool would that be, man? You have two singles on two different projects simultaneously doing fantastic on different playlists for different genres. Yeah. How how cool is that? And they're not like features. It's not like remix, like Skrillex remix for the dance world. Yeah. You know, I think that's incredible. Cool, man. I'm, I'm really excited. And I think it's going to also like help me justify almost keeping each album a little bit more narrow. Like I, I always have this album creep thing where I have this like idea of what I want the record to be, but then I get other ideas and I'm like, oh, but I want a tempo song. Like, oh, but I want a little of this. And then the, then the scope widens, which is fine. But I think that this would allow me to make like a little bit of like two tighter works um, mm-hmm. just because it's like I know, okay, I have an idea that's actually for this record. I have an idea that's actually for that record and I don't have to necessarily blend the streams. That'd be fun. I don't I know. We'll my see. Mind. Yeah, you're, you're also so prolific that, that you can do that. If I we'll tried see. to do that, 
it'd be three songs max, three songs on each project, and and you're done. But I mean, like, dude, the amount of like the amount of stuff that you send me that's months out and months in advance, and I'm like, how do you create this much? How do you how do you have time? How do you even do it? I'm serious. Like, you're the most prolific artist I've ever worked with, for sure. I really appreciate it. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I really do appreciate it. And I don't know, man. I I I don't know, like. I don't know the next day that I'll be able to do it again. I just kind of wake up and start working. And Amen. I love it. I love it so much that it's it's just making myself, like you're saying, the smile wider, just chipping away at that, doing it again. It's like, I've always wanted to do a drum feel like like feel like this. Or like, ooh, I got these new drum samples. Like, that sounds fun. I want to play with those. And it's like, oh, there's a song. Yeah, it just kind of yes ended your way until like oh oh yeah I love it that's a single let's let's release that and sometimes yep. it, those tributaries just like go into a dead end and then you just make a cool little loop and now you're like familiar with that bit of gear or whatever um, but that's that's how I end up doing it is it's like less master planning and more just kind of like doing it as often and as long as I possibly can. Yeah, beautiful. The fact that you enjoy it is the reason why that's happening. And yeah, it's crazy it's to keep fun. enjoying it as much as you do. I, I think is. that's rare. That's it's rare. weird. I've surprised myself. I keep thinking that I'm going to get bored or I'm going to really want to mix it up or something like that. And it's like, no, I, I, I like music that sounds like this. And it's it still has got a decent amount of variance. But I feel like I've developed a, a thumbprint that um, doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like I have to be in this little, this little world. Um, Certainly. I want to talk about AI. Uh, mm. And I want to talk about your company. So um, first of all, I uh, very recently when I was doing the podcast theme song, I, which you mastered, um, I did a Lander version because I was like, oh, I don't know if he'll be able to turn around quickly enough. I'll just throw that in there. And then yours came in. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God his came in. Because <laughs> then I didn't have to release that abomination onto the world. Oh, um, my God. How, how was the Lander version? Curious. Dude, it sucked. It sucked. It was crazy. <laughs> and it was so weird because it was like, I can't even completely place it. And if you A, beat it, you'd win a hundred times out of a hundred to anybody. But I couldn't quite like be like, oh, it's because X, Y, and Z. It was just like, no, this one has soul and vibe and this one is just checking boxes and you can feel it. It made everything thinner and just less musical. And I understand that it does some cool stuff and it's gotten it's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is a really interesting use case of one kind of AI the like, let's take jobs and take the creativity or whatever and smash it and put it in a box and the box can be that tool versus your kind of AI and what you're doing with your company that's empowering, that is creator focused, that I think is gaining real steam and will continue to gain steam. Um, but I just I just want to start off that conversation there before you even dig into the, the company. Just like, what are your thoughts on that interplay of generative AI of like creator focus versus creator replacing, I guess? For sure. For sure. How much longer do we have? Oh boy. I yeah, I know, dude. Deep. I know that's so true. Maybe we could do this um, two-parter. Do you want to do it? I could do a two-parter. We could end it here. Be like, check it out next week. Yeah, We're going to come back. Fun. Yeah. That All right. Let's, super fun. let's do that. Um, where can people find your stuff then, then Riley? Because uh, we'll end the podcast here and then we'll, we'll pick it up with AI stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. You yeah. can find uh, my music under uh, RKCB on any streaming platform. Uh, Mixing and mastering. Just Google my name. You'll find me. I'm on Soundbetter. I'm on all those things. Send me an email. Uh, yeah, I would love to hear from you. Love working with everybody. 
Awesome. Really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll pick this up again next week. I am Scuba Duber once again. My website scubaduber.pizza. You can find my links and subscribe, five star, all that good stuff. I'm going to say a fake goodbye now. Bye, Riley. Bye. See you soon. <laughs>